Amen. Uh, a lot of these I want to go through tonight. This is by no means an exhaustive uh, list of scientific discoveries in the Bible. People hear the word science and they immediately think of boring. And uh, I hope you don't think these things are boring because they're not to me. They're exciting. Science was one of my good subjects in school. I don't know why, but I always did really good in science. Math, not so much. But science, I did pretty good in. And, uh, but this is something we see in the Word of God. Scientific discoveries, these are not in any kind of an order. Just kind of a list that I've compiled over the years. Some of these things you have to, you just read and you'll see they're evident. Uh, they're evident at face value. Some you might have to use your imagination a little bit. Always keep in mind, though, that the writers of Scripture are writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But they're writing for the time in which they lived. Things that they are talking about like in our day and age would not have made sense in their day and age. For example, if we, uh, you know, we're going to get to a, a section where it talks about warfare. If they would have said atom bomb 2,000 years ago, that wouldn't have made sense to anybody for 2,000 years. It makes sense to us tonight because we've lived and seen the existence and the invention of the atom bomb, the nuclear bomb. Uh, warfare, transportation, travel, things of that nature would not have made sense. So the Bible in their day and age in the way that it does in ours, but the Bible is written in a way so that it is relevant to every age in which it is read. And so all the things I believe that John saw in Revelation, for example, he saw these things in Revelation, he observed them, and I believe in our day and age, maybe a little bit beyond our day and age, and yet he had to come back and write about it. And as he wrote about it, he had to put it into terms and put them into words, and I believe every word, every term he used was inspired by God, but in a way that made sense in his day and in the days that followed him, the centuries that followed him, to make these things relevant and truthful throughout the past 2,000 years. So I want us to think about the word science, for example. Science is only found twice in the Bible. One is in the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse number 4, that says children... Speaking of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. And so, of course, these young men, they had all of those attributes, all of those qualities that the king of Babylon was looking for and he brought them there because of their wisdom, because of the way they looked, because of their understanding, their quick understanding, their intelligence, and he said an understanding science. So science is a biblical word. It's found in the Bible here, but I want to show you another place it's found. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, and here it's not spoken of in a positive way. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings, and opposition of science falsely so-called. You know, Paul warns Timothy. And science, the way that we think of science, may not have been the exact same way in Timothy's day, but the, the idea was still there. He said, watch out for philosophers. Watch out for people that are trying to educate you and teach you something away from the Word of God. And he talks about science, and he calls it falsely so-called meaning that we ought to always question science. That's what science ought to be, is looking at the evidence. Don't believe what somebody tells you just because they tell you that. If it says it on television, it doesn't mean it's true. If they say it in a textbook, it doesn't mean it's true. If it's on the internet, it doesn't mean it's true. If it's in Wikipedia, it doesn't mean it's true. 
And people blindly just say, well, there's a bunch of smart people that teach all this, so I believe what they say. You better be careful with that because the Bible warns against science. And science that is done correctly is not a negative thing, but science, and I believe that most of science is set out to disprove God, not to find answers to whether God is real or not. And they start their whole process of studying science and their investigation with the idea that God is not real. And uh, Paul warns about that. So those are the two references to science in the Bible. So we're going to look at some scientific discoveries in the Bible. And I haven't taught this in years. I had to go back and redo all my slides because I used to use the screen that was about half of this size, not the wide screen, but a smaller screen. And so hopefully all of these will work tonight. But the first one I want to show you is that the wind has circuits. The wind has circuits. Now we take that for granted tonight. We see it on the news, you see the weather forecast, you see that this front's coming up here and this uh, front's going over there and, and there's a depression over here. We think about all of that because we see it, but that is something that modern science discovered not too long ago. And yet the Bible told us if we would just, and I hope you get this with every one of these tonight, if you would just trust the Bible, you would have known all this to begin with. And if the world would have looked at the word of God, they'd have known all this to begin with. They wouldn't have had to wait thousands of years to discover this. The wind has circuits. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 6. The wind goeth toward the south, turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. That is a scientific discovery that's found all the way back in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. That is not something that was easily understood 100 years ago. That's something that is a modern discovery that now they just take for granted, but something that the Bible has been saying for thousands of years, that the wind has circuits. You know, when God wanted to compare the Holy Spirit to something, he compared it to wind. Jesus, when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he said, it's like the wind. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whether it cometh or whether it goeth. He said, the Holy Spirit's the same way. We can't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind. You've never saw the wind. You see the effects of the wind. You see the leaves are starting to blow off the trees because of the wind. But that wind has circus. You know, Revelation tells us that one day, and I believe this just as much as I believe anything, that the angels, there's going to be four angels that hold the four winds of the earth and they're going to stop the wind from blowing and when they say stop, it's going to stop. All that stuff, you say, oh, that's just the way Mother Nature does things. No, there's no such thing as Mother Nature. There's Father God tonight. And Father God designed all of this. In Hebrews, it tells us that everything that we see is made of things that's unseen. There's a lot of things we don't see, and the wind is one of them. The wind has circuits. That is a scientific discovery. Number two is day and night are at the same time. Now, how in the world could they have known that thousands of years ago? How could they know that right now when it's daylight here, it's dark hundreds and thousands of miles somewhere else on the earth? It's nighttime somewhere else. Uh, how could they have known that? You say, well, how do they know that? Well, the Bible says in Luke chapter 17, verse 34, uh, verse 37, it speaks of that. Uh, look in Luke chapter uh, 17 tonight. Look in your Bible. I didn't put it up here. I'm not going to make everything easy for you tonight. Got to do a little work. Luke 17 and verse number 34. 
I tell you in that night there shall be two men in one bed and one shall be taken the other shall be left two women shall be grinding together the one shall be taken the other left two men shall be in the field the one shall be taken the other left and, uh, and they answered and said unto him where Lord and he said unto them wheresoever the body is thither will the eagles be gathered together and some take, uh, are taken at day while simultaneously others are taken at night it's the same event the rapture isn't going to wait 12 hours or however long for the sun to come up somewhere else around the world. In fact, when Jesus comes, the Bible says he's coming out of the east and making his way to the west, just like the way the sun comes up. And when he comes out of the east to the west, he's going to call us out in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. In a moment, we're going to be changed. But there's many references, that's just one, that speak about day and night existing at the same time, and there's no way they could have known that. How could they have known that without special revelation from God? There was no space shuttle program. There was no getting out in space and looking down and saying, oh, well, I see half of the earth is dark while half of it's light. There is no place that they put one foot in the daylight and one foot in the dark. They said, oh, well, now it makes sense. This is something that is a modern discovery, a scientific discovery, that there is daylight and darkness simultaneously on the earth. That is something that is a scientific discovery. I'll give you another one. This is called entropy. And it is a, it's a reality that the Bible speaks about. Now, I'm going to bore you. This is the only one I think I'll bore you a little bit with. How many understand this scientific belief of entropy? Anybody under here want to stand up and explain it to us? You know, even the scientists have trouble explaining this one. I was telling Brother Donald before the service started that uh, doing some more research on it, uh, they think we're the crazy ones, okay? And, and one of the articles I was reading said that one theory is this. I, can't, I forgot to put my mic on, so I've got to stay here. One theory is this, that the whole universe started as something the size of a cell, like a cell in your body. Remember Wednesday night we're watching the cells in our body? And, and it started as just about the size of a cell that all of a sudden there was these chemical reactions and an explosion and created the planets and the stars and the nebula and, and all this stuff started with something smaller than you can see with your eye. And people read that and they go, oh, well, that makes sense. And then they think we're the crazy ones. This deals with something uh, connected with thermodynamics and that's a measure of unavailable energy in a closed thermodynamic system. Don't that make sense tonight? That's kind of the way a lot of preachers preach, by the way. Uh, it's a degradation of matter and energy in the universe to an ultimate state of inert uniformity. Oh, that makes sense. I'll go a little bit deeper. It deals with the first law of thermodynamics, which is energy can neither be created or destroyed. Energy can change forms. It deals primarily with the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, this law is that disorder is in a closed system. The universe is in a closed system, and therefore the universe will expand to maximize disorder at some point. You say, what does that mean? I don't know. The idea behind it is in their philosophy is that eventually things are just spreading out and eventually it's got to come to an end. It deals with energy that cannot be created or it cannot, uh, it cannot just stop on its own. And so, but the Bible tells us about that. It tells us that this universe had a beginning and it has an end. In fact, it has, uh, this, this lost world has the Big Bang completely backwards. 
The Big Bang doesn't start the universe, it ends it. The Bible tells us, of old uh, thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The Bible says the universe had a beginning, but it's going to have an end. And when it ends, God alone is the eternal energy. God alone is the eternal force. It isn't the force in Star Wars. It's God. He created it all. And he's going to end it all. They tell us the sun is going to eventually burn out in, you know, 700 trillion years or so. Well, it ain't going to be that long. The Bible tells us in Revelation that the sun is going to change. And it's going to put off a different kind of light, a different kind of heat. And the moon's going to change. There's going to be signs in the heavens. But God's going to be the one that does it. And this deals with this reality. There's other references. Matthew 24, 35, Romans 8, 21, and 22. Talk about how that things in this universe are going to eventually come to a conclusion. It is a reality, something that they're still trying to, to define. And yet the Bible says it's a reality. Here's something a little more interesting probably to you, but biblical oceanography. The Bible has a lot to say about the oceans. Things that nobody could have known before 20,000 leagues under the sea. Nobody could have known until you had man uh, uh, submersible uh, submarines and things like that that could get below the water, but down below the level that you could hold your breath. In fact, it's only been in recent history in the modern age where you could get a scuba tank to put on your back to go a little bit further than that. Before that, if you wanted to go down, you had to hold your nose and hopefully have good lungs and swim as deep as you can and come up before you, you drown. And yet the Bible reveals some scientific discoveries about oceanography. For example, the ocean has mountains. How could they have known that? I'm not going to read them all to you, but Jonah chapter 2, verse number 3 through 6. Jonah is in a submarine. It's called a well. And he's describing things that he's experiencing and he talks about the mountains that are under the oceans. There's 30 million trillion tons of water trapped beneath the earth's surface. How could they have known that? And yet Job 38 verse 16 and Proverbs 8 28 speak about it. The Bible speaks about submarine canyons that are under the ocean, 2 Samuel 22, 16, Psalms 18, verse 15, and other places. Things that there's no way they could have known are under the ocean. The Bible tells us they're there. And guess what? They get them a, a, a way to go under the ocean now, and they've got a submarine, and they say, hey, guess what? There's canyons under the ocean. The Bible told you there was. You know, they say that the deepest trench in our oceans, you could take Mount Everest and put in that trench, and it would swallow it up. It's so deep down there. There's mountains beneath the ocean that makes Everest look tiny. How could they have known that in biblical times? Because whoever wrote the Bible made it all. That's how we can know that. And if they'd have trusted in God, they wouldn't have needed a submarine. They could have just trusted God that it is so. I'll tell you something else. As early as 1500 B.C., it was recorded that the sun is not the only source of light. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 uh, verse 14 and 16 Psalm 74 verse 16 talks about light before there was sunlight and people get all kinds of arguments going about, uh, about the sun and there being light 
on the first day and then and the sun being created and all of that but if you trust God at his word the greatest light in this universe isn't even the sun it's the glory of God you know we're going to a place that has no need of the sun the Bible says that the light of Jesus Christ the glory of God will be the light of the city in heaven and yet people are arguing over where did light come from the Bible tells you where it comes from the sun is not the only source of light also the earth was originally one large landmass. you may have heard before this theory called Pangea and the idea is if you look at a map and you see it looks like over here on the Atlantic side you see uh, the east coast and all the way down South America and you look over there on the, uh, across the ocean and you see that continent and all that it looks like it just fits together and so at one time there must have been a giant landmass, and yet the Bible seems to confirm that it confirms that at one point in fact I believe this I don't believe that the oceans that we have on our planet today were the same oceans before Noah's day I think our oceans primarily are left over water from Noah's day and I think you can back that up with some scripture as well and so at one point the earth looked different it's changed its, its, uh, the land masses it's changed the seas it's changed the oceans and all of that after the flood compared to before the flood but they're always trying to catch up with the Bible they're always trying to get ahead of the Bible and they can't, they can't touch it with a 10 foot pole these are scientific discoveries found there. How about this? The life is found in the blood, and that goes back to DNA. DNA is the big thing right now, and RNA, and they're trying to discover all this stuff, and yet they find out that yet you're, you're more than just blood, but there's something about that blood that affects every part of your body. And yet the Bible repeats over and over again that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Genesis 4, 10, and he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from, it, from the ground. You know, if you ever watch these detective shows, and I, I like to watch some of them sometimes, but uh, you don't want to watch too many of them. Uh, but I, I watch these crime scene shows and you know they're always looking for DNA evidence because the DNA evidence never lies blood doesn't lie you can't explain that away why that blood is there why that DNA is there and, and so that's the evidence that's the, that seals the case the blood cries out to say that person's guilty and God said back in Genesis 4 verse 10 the blood will tell if people are guilty or not the life of the flesh is in the blood. And you know, before the law, under the law, and after the law, God says, don't eat blood. There's something about that. God says, stay away from it. Don't eat blood. Don't eat blood. Don't eat blood. Don't eat blood. That's a scientific discovery that the life of the flesh is in your blood. There's something, there's more to your blood than just a, a, a liquid and a color that's your life source that's your DNA is in there all of that stuff is there and they didn't know that a hundred years ago they didn't know that 500 years ago did you know that rivers empty into the sea you say brother Ben I, I learned that when I was in grade school they didn't know that a thousand years ago they didn't know that back then the rivers empty into the seas, the scientific discovery. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 7 says, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. On the place from whether the rivers come thither, they return again. How in the world did he know that? You say, well, they got in a boat and they went up every river. There ain't no way. He's speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
and the God that made the mountains and he made the canyons and he made the rivers and he made the oceans and they made the seas is the one speaking to the writer here in Ecclesiastes and he says to him, he said, all the rivers flow to the sea. I preached right after I got here. It wasn't too long after I got here about things that make a river work. You talk about the mighty Mississippi River, but where the Mississippi River ends up down there in the Gulf is not where it starts. Where it starts out, it's a little trickle. It's just a little tiny, uh, I mean, you could step over it where it starts uh, starts at, but eventually all those tributaries that feed into it and it flows eventually out to the sea. How in the world could they have known that scientific fact? Unless it was for God. Evaporation and condensation. You take that for granted. Because you learn it when you're young. And yet they didn't understand all of that before. But again all the rivers run to the sea. Yet the sea is not full. Under the place from whether the rivers come to that they return again. He's talking about a cycle. He said where it goes out in the sea. It goes up. And he said it's a cycle. And it runs. It's never full. It's constantly replenishing itself. The water rains down. And the evaporation goes up. It fills up in the clouds. The clouds rain it back down. It goes into the river. It goes out in the ocean. Eventually it evaporates. It starts the process over again. Over again. Over again. They didn't know that back then. That's a modern scientific discovery in your Bible. Dad might like this one because he used to work for the fingerprint department and the FBI, but no fingerprints are alike. Did you know that? You have, you have unique characteristics, unique to you that no one else has. There's many of them. The pupil of your eye. They're starting to use that as an identification now because no two people have the same pupil. Your ear is unique. Boy, mine especially is unique. Nobody else in here has an ear like mine. But you've got certain traits that nobody else has. Uh, your, your dental record, your, your teeth is unique to you. Nobody else has your teeth. It's not, your teeth aren't worn the same way as somebody else. There's many of these things, but even fingerprints is a scientific discovery that Job seems to indicate. Because in Job 37 verse 7 he speaks and he says he sealeth up the hand of every man. Every man's hand is sealed differently that all men may know his work. You have a seal in you. You ever seen the fingerprint that looks just like a seal? And he says God sealed up the hand of every man. There's no two hands that are the same. Even your right hand and your left hand's marks are not the same. Your two thumbs are not the same. Your fingers are not the same. He sealed up your hands separately. Talking about DNA evidence, that's what they're looking for, a fingerprint. Because if they can find that fingerprint or thumbprint, I've heard now they're using palm prints. They're even, they have footprints, heel prints. And that, that's unique. It's an identification trait that you've got that nobody else has. And the Bible says that God has sealed up every man's hand you've got a seal in you that nobody else has that's a scientific discovery here's one the moon has no light the moon has no light you say well I've heard songs about moonshine well that's a different kind of shine now this is again something that we take for granted but it hasn't been too long ago that people thought that the moon produced its own light 
But then NASA and all the you know, telescopes and everything else changed the way that people viewed the moon. And so now the moon, we say, has no light. And, and the moon is one of the clearest pictures of the New Testament church in the Bible. There is a trinity that, that's a picture of, of the relationship of God to us and us to the world around us. For example, the earth pictures the world. I mean, that's easy. The world system. And there's a sun out there, and that sun rises in the east, sets in the west. Every time it comes up and goes down, it, it's a picture of the blood and the resurrection. That's why it tells us of Jesus Christ in Malachi that the sun will rise as you in with healing in his wings. Speaking of the coming of the Messiah. And people went back and said, S-U-N, it has to be S-O-N. No, it's not S-O-N. It's the S-U-N, but the S-U-N is a picture of the S-O-N. That's why we sing songs. The sun's coming up in the morning. Jesus is coming up. The sun, as it comes up, Jesus is coming again. And so you've got the light of the world right now is our sun and our solar system. Everything else is dark. This world is dark without the sun shining right now. That's the true light. All these lights in here, that's, that's fake light. Halogen lights, it's not real. The lights we have in our home, it's not real. It's fake light, artificial light. But the sunlight's real. And the sun shines in a dark world. But at night, the moon shines in the world. But the moon has no light of its own. It only reflects the light of the sun. And you know, God says that you, you and I that are saved are the light of this world. And we have no light of our own. We reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And he says we are not in darkness as others, He said we are to shine brightly in this world. But the light that we shine is like the moon. The moon has no light. It's a reflector of the real light, which is the sun. The moon has no light. Job chapter 25, verse 5. Behold, even the moon, and it shineth not. Yea, the stars are not pure in his sight. The context is that there is no light from the moon. No light of its own. God says even the stars are not pure in his sight. How could they have known that the moon... How could have Job known back in Job 25 that there was no light on the moon? You say, Brother Ben, you're just reading into things. No, God gave us a book that has scientific discoveries that if we'll just accept it and believe it, it makes sense. How about light traveling? Do you know light travels? People talk about the speed of light. Uh, the rapture is going to take place at the speed of light. The twinkling of an eye. Here's how fast light travels. Here's your homework tonight when it gets dark and get ready to go to bed. Uh, flip the light switch off and get into bed before it gets dark. Let's see how fast you are. Flip the switch, get in bed. You can't do it. It's that fast. But light has a path and light travels. If you believe what they tell us about space, and, uh, and, and you, you never know, but you take them at their word, they say when you're looking up at the planets and you're looking up at the stars, that the light that you're seeing is not current light. It's light that's traveled millions of miles to get there. It might be light that's 10 minutes old. It might be light that's you know several hours old. It might be further than that, deeper in space that's traveling to get here. I don't know about all of that. But I know this, light does travel because the Bible says this is a scientific fact. Job 38 verse 19, where is the way that light dwelleth? And as for the darkness, where's the place thereof? There's a dwelling of light and there's a dwelling of darkness. It's not the same in Job 38, 24. But what way is the light parted? Light can be parted, which scattereth the east wind upon the earth. Prisms and all of that, people understand now that light can travel and light can part. 
scientific things that the Bible records that we just skim over in our devotional reading and think nothing of it, but God left them there, little nuggets of information to remind us that God is God. He knows more than the scientists. He knows more than any Einstein that's ever lived. The Bible says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. He has re hidden the, uh, the, the things from the wise and prudent hath revealed them unto babes. Why this world looks for the highest IQ and, and the most intelligent and God says, I ain't gonna bother with them. I'll reveal my truth to the people like little children, the ones that are hungry to learn the truth of my word. Here's a big one, the earth is not flat. Oh, you know, that's, that's got a, there's a revival now, a flat, the flat earth movement. There might even be someone here that believes it's flat. Well, I don't believe it's flat because the Bible tells us it's not flat. Now, to us, we laugh about it. Well, is it round? Is it flat? We all know it's round. But you know, at a time in history, not too long ago, if you believed anything other than the earth was flat, you're going to be killed by religious leaders. They took it that literally. But here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 22. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to well. And boy, there's a whole lot in this verse. For example, he says the circle of the earth. Now, I had a flat earther tell me one time, they said, yeah, the earth is flat, but it's just a circle. It's like a disc. That's, it's obvious that's not what the reference is. He's talking about it's the shape of a globe. Which here's the thing, isn't it amazing? God put a round sun out there and a round moon and a round Saturn and a round Jupiter and a round Mars. I mean, they're all spheres. And even they've got moons that are spheres and Pluto's a sphere and all this. And then you get to earth and it's just a flat piece of paper. There, there's earth. Everything else is round, 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 but there's earth. You say, but the Bible talks about it having foundations upon pillars and things. Yeah, but that's all invisible. We're not going to see any of that till one day we're in a perfect state and we've got the perfect mind that God wants us to have and we've got the mind of Christ and all of a sudden you're going to see it's probably sitting on a pedestal. The circle of the earth, it's not flat, it's round. But then I'm not even going to get into all of this, but he says the inhabitants are like grasshoppers. How could they have known that unless you were way up there? How could a person who's never been in an airplane, never been higher than climbing a little mountain, think that people down below look like little tiny grasshoppers? You ever been in an airplane before and you look down and people look like ants down there? And that's what he's saying in Isaiah. He said down there, they're like little grasshoppers down there. And then he talks about the heavens and he said if we really could see the heavens, it's stretched out like a curtain. Oh, Brother Ben, it's all spiritualized and you're taking this stuff too literally. You better believe I take it literally. We lived up in Alaska. We'd see the northern lights all the time. And you know how those northern lights uh, hang up there in the sky? It looks like a curtain just moving in the sky. We used to say it's the hem of God's garment as he's walking across the heavens. Oh, well, that's little electrons and neutrons and all that stuff up there and the sun particles. You can swallow all that all you want. I believe God can do anything he wants to do. The laws of science don't even apply to God because he made all those things. He made the atoms. He made the molecules. He made it all. You think he can't manipulate it or change it, do what he wants to do with it? Of course he can. And one day he's going to do it. You know the Bible speaks about nuclear weapons in the last days. This may not be a scientific discovery, but it's still something that was hidden up until modern times. 
Let me show you a couple of scriptures about the last wars that are going to take place on planet earth. All found in the Bible, if you'll just believe it tonight. Isaiah 24, verse 20, The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. It shall fail and not rise again. It says the earth is going to shake like a, like a man that's drunken. You know, even scientists tell us that if all the nuclear bombs went off simultaneously on earth, that it would shake the earth off its axis. The earth has axis. And it says it would shake it off of it. And yet Isaiah said that's exactly what's going to happen. Oh, it gets deeper than that. Over in Revelation chapter 6, verse 14, the heavens departed as a scroll when it's rolled together. You ever seen a mushroom cloud? And every mountain and island removed out of their place. You're talking about something that's greater than any bomb that's ever gone off on planet earth. Something that's going to move and level the mountains at the coming of the Lord. But he says the heavens are going to part. You ever seen a scroll? A scroll. We, we look at books and don't think much of it. But a scroll, it's rolled up. And when you unroll it. And let it go, it rolls up itself again. And if you look at a mushroom cloud, I've seen drawings of it. It looks just like a scroll rolling together like this. And the Bible says it'll happen. Over in Micah chapter 1, And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as, uh, 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 as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. Can you imagine a power... So powerful, so awesome that the mountains are going to melt like wax at the presence of God. And people want to stand before Him. Well, I'll work it out with the old man upstairs one day. At the face of God, the mountains are going to melt like wax. You're not going to work nothing out with the man upstairs. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. Here's a clue. We talked about the final countdown this morning. Here's a clue. As a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with what? A great noise. And the elements, that's a scientific term, elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also in the works that are then and shall be burned up. The elements, everything's made up of elements, are going to be burned up at the sound of the coming of the Lord. A great noise bomb going off there's a lot of us that believe and we can't I can't prove it except these scriptures that I believe but it may be nuclear war that triggers the rapture that it could be a possibility I don't teach it doctrinally as fact but you look at all these scriptures together and there's a common denominator there and you know what's everything leading up to right now hey I'm gonna tell you what it's a miracle with some of the nuts running countries in this world I know, I know y'all look at me and say, how can the preacher say that? I'm going to say it. They're nuts. They're nuts. That guy up in North Korea, Kim Jong-un, or Il, or whatever he is, that guy's got a red button he can push at any moment if he wanted to. That guy's a psycho and as nuts as he can be. You know, and I'm not making this up. One of his favorite people on planet Earth is Dennis Rodman. Y'all know who Dennis Rodman is? Do you know that Dennis Rodman goes up there to work out deals and stuff with the, the, the leader of North Korea? He goes up there with all these rings and chains and all this stuff hanging off of him and dressed like a woman when he's a man and gets up there and he sits down there and they, just, they work out some deals. 
I, I've got a, a, an article where they interviewed Kim Jong-un and he said, he said his favorite pastime, I'm not making this up, he loves to watch Looney Tunes cartoons. Yeah, one of these days he's going to go, that's all, folks. I mean, what in the world? I go back to that scripture that says, and we're going to get to that in First Thessalonians, uh, 2 Thessalonians, that says, only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit is the restraining factor in this world tonight. And that's the only explanation as to what keeps these leaders from doing what they're going to do. But I praise God, we're going to be long gone. And if you're not saved, I wouldn't wait till all this happens. Look in Isaiah 34, verse 4, And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf falleth off the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. I didn't give you all the references, but the Bible even says that their eyes will consume away in their sockets. And do you know in, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they said people literally liquefied while they stood on their feet. Literally. And you know, those bombs were nothing compared to what we've got today. I've got a couple of friends. That's what they do for a living. Uh, they're officers in the Air Force. They fly B-52, the bomber squadron. They fly the, the atom bombs everywhere they go, the nuclear bombs. And, uh, I mean, what a job. They're heroes in my book, keeping America safe. But the Bible says one of these days, something's going to happen. Scripture after Scripture that says it, it looks just like a nuclear war that's going to take place. Maybe that's why the Bible even says, pray to Israel, Matthew 24, that your flight be not in winter. You know, they say one of the worst things could happen is nuclear fallout in winter. There's a lot of those things that are in the Bible. Modern warfare, as we're talking about this, I've got to hurry up. But modern warfare, how did they know about some of the things in the Bible that we know today? We take ships and tanks and planes and helicopters and stuff for granted. But Isaiah 9 verse 5 says, But every battle of the warriors with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but it shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Fuel is connected with the battle of the warrior. In the last days in Isaiah 9, he said fuel. Well, you know how these vehicles get around? Through fuel. You know how an internal combustion engine works? Through fuel. Do you know what the big issues right now are in the world? Is the oil crisis and fossil fuels. And the Bible says it's going to be a sign of the last days. I think it gets a little bit different than this. See, you've got to think a little different. But the more you say the Bible, you start thinking a little different. The Bible even talks about cars. We're talking about warfare and vehicles, but even cars and the internal combustion engine. Nahum chapter 2 verse 3 says, The shield of his mighty men is made red. The valiant men are in scarlet. The chariots shall be with flaming torches in the day of his preparation, and the fir tree shall be terribly, terribly shaken. Saying that the chariots, when they're moving, is going to shake the fir trees. Say, Brother Ben, it says chariot. Well, it's not going to say Ford 3,000 years ago. He's not going to say a Tesla going down the highway and, and uh, you know, and a Chevy pickup truck. But think about what he's saying. The chariots. Chariots made sense for thousands of years. And in fact, 
up until the invention uh, of the airplane and, and the, the modern uh, engine and cars and all that, uh, the automobile, do you know that Christopher, Christopher Columbus basically traveled the same way that Jesus and his disciples traveled? It was a similar setup, a similar type, uh, uh, just a sail and just a wooden vessel, and people got around on camels and donkeys and all these kind of things, horseback, and they got around in wagons, and they got around in chariots. It's not been a, except the last hundred years that we understand planes and trains and automobiles think about this look at Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 but thou O Daniel shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased we talked about the knowledge today but it also says many shall run to and fro that's transportation that's way of traveling we take for granted if I wanted to leave here tonight and go up to Charlotte, I can do it in, in what, about a 30, 45 minute trip. If you'd have tried to do that 100 years ago, it would have been an all day adventure. I can go up there and come back. Aluna went to Salisbury yesterday and came back. Same day, went to a, a birthday party, came back. People are getting on planes and traveling all over the world, things that would have taken years to do. And even then, your life would have been at jeopardy. You might have got a disease or a virus out at sea or something like that or drowned or something. Now you just get in a plane, show them your passport, and you can be anywhere in the world within less than 24 hours right now. Sign of the last days. But this is a discovery. Nahum chapter 2, verse 4, the chariot shall rage in the street. This, this is Monroe traffic. I want you to see this. The chariot shall rage in the streets. Y'all ever have any road rage in the streets? They shall jostle one against another in the broad ways. They shall seem like torches. They shall run like the lightning. Sound like a car to you? They're on broadways. Don't we travel on broadways? It says that they're going to jostle one against another. That's traffic. It says that they'll seem like torches. Uh, a chariot didn't seem like torches years ago. I mean, they ran pretty fast, but it wasn't a torch. You ever seen tail lights? You ever seen an image where a car is just going by and you just see the light just phew, like a torch? Isaiah 9 5, forever battle. We talked about that a moment ago. It, uh, of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire, fuel, fuel, fire, fuel, fuel. It's connected with automobiles, racing, all that stuff. It's fuel. Everything's fuel. You say, well, now we got electric vehicles. Yeah, and the electric vehicles, how, how do you charge them? All the environmentalists forget that they still have to be charged. They're not running on air. And that electricity has to be produced somewhere. That's a whole other lesson, but anyway. People pat themselves on the back because they say, I got an electric car. I'm not using gas. No, you're using a power plant that's polluting everything as well. So anyway, oceans have currents. This is a scientific discovery. Oceans have currents. We talked about some things about the ocean, but in Psalms 8, verse uh, 8, the file of the air, the fish of the sea, and what sort of passes through the paths of the sea. That's not just talking about an opening. It's talking about a path that's in the sea. There are underwater currents. And there's another passage. I thought I had it on my slide tonight, and I don't, but it talks about those circuits that are under the paths that are under the water. And uh, we, we don't... We don't see it, but it's there. There's a current. There's a stream under the water that uh, sometimes it's warmer, sometimes it's colder. On the top of the surface, you can't see it, but it's there, and the Bible talks about that. How about the earth just floating around in space? 
Job 26 verse 7 he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing I want you to explain that one to me without a space suit and a space shuttle and a Sputnik like I talked about this morning how would he have known that the earth is just floating up there if we believe the images of the satellites and stuff and you know Hubble and all of that as it's looking at earth the earth is like a giant marble just floating up there Think about the mass of the earth, the size of it, the weight of it, and all of that. And it's just, Job says he's hanging the earth upon nothing. They didn't know that 200 years ago. They didn't know that 500 years ago, but Job knew it. Do you know that the stars can't be counted? It's a scientific discovery. They used to think that uh, the stars were what you could count on a starry night. And uh, I forget uh, how many it was, but it seemed like about 1,500 or so that people could count on a typical starry night around them. And then they got a telescope and they start looking out in space and they find out that the deeper you go, the more stars are out there. And the deeper they go, the more and more stars and that they can't be counted. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars that they'll be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. God says, If you can count the stars, I'll break my covenant with Israel. You can't count them. If you could have counted them, that wouldn't have been a hard thing to break. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 12 Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. You can't count the sand you can't count the stars and that's the covenant God made with his people. You know why? Because it's not breakable. That's a scientific discovery. You know, in, uh, somewhere after 1800, we learned that stars produce sound waves. That's back in Job chapter 38, verse 7. Some stars are bound in clusters. Job chapter 38, verse 31, it talks about those. You know, even there's uh, uh, constellations that are mentioned in the Bible. Pleiades, for example, is mentioned in the Bible. The seven sisters, it's there in the Bible. Um, several of the, of the star clusters are, that, are there and the Bible mentions them those are scientific discovery here's one that's good for our day and age I'm trying to run through these quick tonight but here's one running water is more sanitary you know this discovery in modern times has saved millions of lives this discovery when they found out in fact uh, during the days of some of these plagues and all that was uh, affecting Europe they found that there was the, the Jews especially were not being affected as much as other groups were and they were trying to research why and they found out that they were washing their hands all the time because they did it under the law the law, law told them and then all of a sudden think back even the days of the civil war and stuff you ever see how brutal that stuff was when they would amputate and all that and the doctor he's not wearing any gloves he's not using any iodine or anything on his hands and they're just using old rusty instruments and stuff and people uh, often died from the surgery more than they would have died from the injury and all of a sudden they discovered if we run our hands in water, get our hands clean, it changes things. If they'd have just read Leviticus 15 verse 3, And when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number himself seven days for his cleansing, and wash his clothes, and bathe his flesh in running water, and shall be clean. You want to be clean? You know what we do? Even doctors are saying with COVID and all that, Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. God said to do it. Boy, if they'd have figured that out, it has saved a lot of lives. Wash your hands. Why don't they say wash your ears? Wash your nose. Wash your kneecaps. Wash your feet. They said it's your hands. 
God says wash your hands and you'll be clean. And that has helped. That's a, a scientific discovery that they're still using today. You ever see the doctor, the surgeons, and they scrub 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 and they scrub. And that would drive me crazy to do that every day. I guess the money's worth it. I don't know. To scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub. But once you get clean, now it'll help you. That's a scientific discovery we take for granted every day. I'll give you a couple more. Some of these are kind of fun. You have to use your imagination. Y'all still have one tonight, don't you? I'm worried about some of you. You think the Bible talks about electricity? Well, here's an interesting passage in Job 38, verse 35. Canst thou send lightning that they may go and say unto thee, here we are? Send lightning, and at the end of the lightning, they're going to say, here we are. Now, again, you have to use your imagination here a little bit, but think about how electricity works. And I'll be honest, I don't understand it. But electricity is like lightning and it's traveling. If you doubt that, and don't do it, but if you reached up and grabbed a power cable, you'd know exactly where there's lightning there. The power is there. But somewhere on that phone line and all that, in fact, I read somewhere where the first person that answered a phone, they said something along this line. They said, hello, here we are. What they said, here we are. Hello? You answer on your phone, you say, here we are. Hello? And there in Job 38, canst thou send lightnings? It's electricity. Lightning, and the end of the lightning, somebody's going to be the other end and says, here we are. In uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 9, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves and that they may dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. This is a global event that globally they're going to see the same thing happen simultaneously that was impossible 50 years ago, 40 years ago. It was impossible and now it's a reality. You say it doesn't say cell phones how are they going to see it now imagine if John's right in Revelation 11 and he goes and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies because they had a Nokia phone or they had a, uh, an iPhone or they had a Galaxy phone and they had a, a, a Sirius FM or whatever it is and this satellite this and this they, they've got this satellite that and they've got the internet and the people for 2,000 years wouldn't have understood what he's talking about but now we know what he's talking about because they're going to see it and it's going to happen. The Bible talks about a cashless society. Here's another discovery that the Bible told us that would happen. I was telling Luna today as I was going over some of my notes, I said some of these things, even when I used to teach this, I said, uh, you know, I believed it, I knew it was true, but the things that's happened since then just solidifies it. It's shocking. Revelation 13, 17, that no man might buy or sell, say you have the mark or the name of the beast and the number of his name. Now, don't leave here and say, Brother Ben says if you don't have your vaccine passport, you've got the mark of the beast, or if you don't wear a mask, you've got the mark of the beast. But I'm just giving you an illustration, okay? Right now, in places all around the world, if you don't have a vaccine card, you can't go in a restaurant, you can't go in a movie theater, your kids can't get in a school, you can't buy a loaf of bread, you can't get a tank of gas. You can't go to a doctor. You've got to be able to show some kind of identification to prove it or they, they, they won't let you do it. Folks, it's moving towards it. 
I'm not here saying that stuff's the mark. I'm saying it's preparing the world for it coming. And how could you deny that tonight? This whole cashless thing, you can't buy or sell. Hey, we're moving to that. We're becoming a cashless society. I just told you this morning, if you go and look at the general of the UN's, uh, 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 his report, he says that he wants a cashless society. Uh, I just read the other day on the news, it's talking about a digital currency. We're going to a digital currency in America. Right now, you can go to uh, 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 restaurants and not use cash. They don't want cash. You go to gas stations, they don't want cash. You go to certain stores, they don't want cash. They want something digital. You just hold your card above something, wave it, and there it goes. And the Bible told us 2,000 years ago we'd be right here. And here we are. It's all moving towards that. I'm not saying what we're experiencing is the tribulation or the mark. I'm saying the devil's trying to get the world ready for it. And right now, you know what scares me is people are just about ready for it. I think they want it. They want it. We think they're going to put up a fight. No, they're not. They're having microchipping parties right now. They're getting T-shirts made saying, I got microchipped today. I watched a special the other day on, on, on Dateline News or whatever it was, and it said that businesses now, they're offering that as an option. People are going in, and all they got to do is wave their hand uh, to open the door. They don't need a key or anything, and they go in. All they have to do is go in the snack room. They want a Coke. They wave their hand over it, and that microchip just gives them a drink or gives them a snack. And the, uh, you know, go into the kitchen. They want some food. They just wave their hand. It's all right there. And, and this is on the news. They don't even hide this stuff anymore. They're not embarrassed by it. They want it. That's a scientific discovery of the last days, and we're living to see it. Uh, there's stores, by the way, and I know you all know all this, but there's stores right now that don't even have cashiers. There's not a cashier in the place. You register, you have a number. The Bible says it's going to be connected with the number. you got a number, and so I go and I get my cereal, and I get my milk, and I get this, and I get that, and I go in, and I go out, and somehow it has scanned me going through because I've got all of that in the system, and I don't even talk to a human being. I just go in and get what I want, and so it's coming to a point where there's not even going to be human interaction anymore, and you've got to have a number. Or you're not getting a product. You're not getting service. Already, you can't call people. You can't call businesses anymore and get a human being on the line. Press one if you speak English. Press one. When was that even an option? I all the time I say, I, I want a human being. We do not understand. To hear the menu again, press nine. Operator. I'm sorry, I do not understand. I, just give me a human. I tried to call the post office the other day and I couldn't find a human being. They don't even give you an option. One of these days, you're not going to be able to do anything unless you've got a global identification and a global currency and all of that and a mark and that's your access to get anywhere you want to go. I mean, it's simple stuff. If I want to go, if I want to go to Costco and buy something, I've got to show I've got a card. Now, is that the mark of the beast? No, but I'm not buying anything out of Costco or, or, or BJ's or any of these places unless I've got a card. If i got a card, that's my number, I'm in. I can buy something. If I don't, I can't. See how close we are? 
We talked about this today, knowledge will be increased. I won't spend any time on that, but Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 tells us that knowledge shall be increased. And we sure talked about that this morning. That's a sign of the, of the last days. And if you think that we're not in the last days, then all you've got to do is do a little research. Knowledge has increased like never before in the last hundred years of civilization. That right there alone should prove we are in the last days. Knowledge shall be increased. I'll give you one last one and we're done. Did you know that heaven is in the north? Now this is something that even science and, and the NASA, they have no clue about. They don't know about this. But they do know that there's a weird star out there that doesn't behave like the rest of them. They call it by different names. Sometimes it's called Polaris. Sometimes it's called uh, uh, Alpha Drunkitis, which means the dragon, by the way, which is interesting because Isaiah tells us there's a connection there, but if you ever look, that's the constant star. And that constant star, uh, uh, courses were plotted throughout history by that star. Uh, ships out at sea knew where they're going in relationship to that star. There's something different about that star, and the Bible tells us that heaven is beyond that star. Psalm chapter 48, verse 2, beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north the city of the great king. That's not the earthly Jerusalem. That's the heavenly one. Mount Zion, the joy of the whole earth, is in the north. And not just the north, but peculiar, he says the sides of the north. Isn't that strange? Sides? Why didn't he say the top or the bottom or the sides? In Isaiah chapter 14, Lucifer falls. When Lucifer falls, here's what the Bible says, For thou hast said in thine heart, this is about Lucifer. I will ascend into heaven, all right? So he's going to heaven. Where's heaven? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. God's throne is beyond the stars. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. The devil's trying to get up to the throne of God, and he said, I want to be above the throne of God, and the Bible says, where is it? It's beyond the north. We see it all through the Bible over and over again. The north, the north, the north, the north. That means that if NASA could ever do it, and they can't, they never will, but they could ever get a vessel or a telescope or anything up there, they'd look beyond the north and they'd say, I, I, there's, a, there's a peculiar object up there. It looks a little different than anything. It, it's shining differently. It's got all kinds of colors to it like nothing else I've ever seen before. And there's gold there, and there's uh, walls of jasper and gates of pearl, and there's music coming from it, and and all the, and there's a brightness. It does, we can't make any sense out of it. There's no star there, but it's brighter than any star in the universe. It's in the north. And the Bible tells us that's a scientific discovery that nobody has figured out yet, but the Bible is clear that it's in the north. You see it all through the Bible. It says promotion cometh out of not from the east or from the west or from the south, but from the Lord. East, south, west, but it comes from the Lord. What's the one they left out? North. But it says the Lord in, in place of the north. He's out there beyond the north. And one of these days, we're going to get to see him. And we're going out in a place that's going to make all the minds of this world and the science of this world look like nothing. 
look like nothing. Keep believing the Bible tonight. The Bible is always ahead of education. It's always ahead of science. It's always ahead of technology. It's never catching up to them. It's more advanced to them. They're trying to catch up to it. And in fact, the more they discover, the more it validates Scripture. We don't need their validation, but the more they discover, the more they say, oh, wait, the Bible is true. The Bible is the Word of God. I'm going to close with that tonight. We're not going to have a typical invitation. If you want to talk to me about anything, you certainly can see me after the service. Uh, but uh, I thank you for uh, listening tonight to this lesson. And uh, at this time, I believe Brother Eric wants to come and, and address the